most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. Bats. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. Hello, and welcome to the Fantasy Flex podcast presented by PrizePix. I'm your host, Samantha Graviti. On today's episode of 21 Questions, I am so happy to be joined by the one and only Andy Behrens, analyst, personality, thought leader at Yahoo <laughs> Fantasy, who you can find on Twitter at Andy Behrens. Welcome to the Fantasy Flex, Andy. How was your week six? Oh, it was, it was pretty good. Um, it was pretty good in part because there's like a gap in my week six where I actually went to, um, the WNBA finals and I didn't have to watch the end of the bears Packers game. So I think, I feel like that made it better. I'm so sorry. That was a, that was definitely a tough game. Uh, do you, did, did you end up watching the end of it or did you see the Aaron Rodgers? I own you stuff. (laughs) Yeah, it was a huge, it was a huge, well, first of all, like I spent part of the first half of like a finals game, a freaking, like there are no, like Chicago teams don't win titles and they certainly don't win them at home. So I should have been just like fully engaged, but part of the first half, I, you know, I still had my phone out and I'm watching the the bears and Packers and I had it recorded at home. So I've, I've witnessed the whole thing now. Um, (laughs) It, it went, you know, it, it doesn't even, it doesn't even crack the list. I'm a Bears fan, obviously. It doesn't even crack the list of the, I don't know, 15, 20 most gutting, horrible Bears losses to the Packers during the history of my fandom. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of shrugging this one off. Like it didn't even, didn't even bother me for Rogers to say what he said, because of course he's right. Like way to state the obvious in the end zone. I get it. You won't, you own us. Fair enough. How did your fantasy weeks go? How many leagues are you in, by the way? Not a not a part of the 21 questions. Just curious. Oh, yeah. This this always feels like it sounds like a lot. But um, so I'm in I'm in 24 leagues, not counting like the best ball leagues and things like that. Um, But it's like it's football. So it's not you know, this isn't like being in 24, you know, daily transaction baseball leagues or 24 daily transaction, you know, hoops leagues mm-hmm. where like you, you legitimately have to be awake until the end of the, the uh, West coast games and things like that. You're making, you can make transactions every, like it's football. So you can like, if there are leagues where you want to check in three times a week, that's fine. You can do it and you can be successful. So I don't like, it's not, it's not that bad. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think this is, I think I'm in like six leagues, which feels like a lot, but it's actually not that much. I know, I I feel like everyone else is in a million more leagues, but I don't want to like get caught up in that because I know there are people that do like a hundred leagues or something like that. So I certainly can't keep up with you guys. I'm very impressed with your 24 leagues. Well, you know what does start to happen? And I kind of wish I could pare it down a little bit because you start, you you know, by the, by the end of draft season, you start drafting players just because you don't have them in other leagues, which is not a valid reason to draft a guy, right? Like, Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, however, I made some good decisions that way too. Like, I, I don't know. I remember taking Austin Eckler toward the, toward the end of draft season because I was like, you know, I don't, I'm a little light on Eckler, but you shouldn't like, you shouldn't think of it as a portfolio. You should walk away with the guys that you like, period, mm-hmm. whoever they are. I feel like I didn't do 
I didn't do a lot of that this year, but in, in any case, even when you're in, you know, I could be in 50 leagues and there's still like a half dozen that I'm really locked in on where it's okay. like childhood friends or college friends or, you know, coworkers. And it's maybe some leagues that are highly incentivized. Right. So I've just like, I'm really locked in on those things and everything else is, is a bit of a distraction. I love, you know, my background is cool that it was very non-traditional that there's really, is there really a traditional way to get into this space? But I didn't grow up a really big sports fan. I didn't grow up a football fan for sure. And I kind of, I mean, I don't want to stereotype, but like being a woman, I feel like you have fewer options to be in like home leagues and like Hmm. leagues with friends because I genuinely don't have any like real girlfriends that play fantasy I'm trying to evangelize them I will get them there but um so like I don't have as many of those like cool leagues that a lot of people have attachment to or do like the home draft in person all the time so certainly is something that I'm I'm very jealous of when other people talk about them and like the cool traditions and everything like that I really really miss out on (laughs) Yeah, there's just something about there's something about the leagues that used to draft, you know, we I'm 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 in just a handful of these leagues now that are like 20 plus years old where like nice. I'm I'm ancient, so <laughs> of course I am. But like we used to draft live and we used to draft before all of fantasy was on the internet, right? Mm-hmm. So you used to get like a like a packet of papers each week from the commissioner of the league, you know, that that basically detailed all the stats. And, you know, sometimes a commissioner, I was like this myself, sometimes a commissioner would get really into it and like preview the upcoming matchups. And it was like, it was just like receiving a magazine every Friday that, nice. that was like your little your little primer on, on the week ahead. Um, and there's just, there's just something about the leagues that used to be, on you know printed paper and you and you'd you know use the company photocopier to to you know fire everything off and distribute via inner office mail and there's just something about those leagues that I'm I'm super attached to and I'm in a couple that aren't even for a lot of money like the I don't think the league fee has changed in 20 years and it doesn't matter I'm just mm-hmm. like I I, I want to beat those guys they want to beat me it, those are the those are the leagues that I I think I have the the greatest emotional investment in. That is so wholesome. Well, that kind of brings us into our first <laughs> questions. What you're behind, de- behind the scenes, it's really not that wholesome. <laughs> like, I want to like- believe it's wholesome. But um, <laughs> what year did you start playing fantasy? I know you said 20-ish years. And did you win your first league? Oh, well, this is, um, I mean, like w- within my own fantasy journey, this is this is a, a bit of an interesting story. It's probably It's probably 92 or 93. I was basically, I was in a work league um, at my, you know, I was an English major in college, um, always wanted to get into sports writing, had a little toe in sports writing, but this is a time, you know, early nineties where you just, you just, I couldn't anyway, I couldn't make any money as a writer. Like I was a, you know, stringer for some local papers and I was, I wrote for this trade publication that was a kind of a nightmare. And like, there was just no money to be made in writing. So I took a corporate job and immediately fell into a fantasy football league. Right. Um, and I, I was good at it. And I liked it and I was a huge sports fan, but my, my first four seasons playing in that league, I, I made the finals each year and I lost each year and I, I would lose in just like crushing and just probabilistically almost impossible fashion. Like the first year I had a, I mean, I, I just had an enormous lead going into the, the final game, final week, championship week, Monday night, um, I'm, I'm talking all kinds of smack to everybody. It's basically, it's a coronation. I'm like playing the parade. Um, I'm taking, I'm taking a day off tomorrow. Like I, you know, I was, I was really talking a lot 
And um, the other guy had, uh, he had, he had Steve Young. This is how old we are. I am. Um, he had, he had Steve Young and Jerry Rice going. And those two combined for like, Rice had almost 300 receiving yards and had like three touchdowns. And Steve Young, I think, accounted for like six combined touchdowns, rushing and receiving. And they were both at the time, like just record setting performances. And so this guy managed to turn like a like a 70 point deficit, which was just insurmountable in our scoring system into a pretty comfortable win with like two or three guys on Monday night. And I was just I almost called in. I, I was like, I can't face these guys <laughs> like, like it was. And so like, it was lost like that. It was losses like that, like week mm -hmm. after week that, that just made me obsessive. Like, I feel like if I'd won that first league, I would have just been like, this is super easy. Um, <laughs> uh, it's not that interesting. I've already mastered it. Nobody's better than me. Um, and <laughs> I just yeah. would have been like, you know, I would have been in like one or two leagues, but I became absolutely obsessed because of the sort of, you know, uh, variance to the game, right? Like a lot of people don't like that. It's probably my favorite thing about the game. And it's, that brings us into our second question. You are so good at segueing, even though you don't know the <laughs> questions. Uh, what are the best and worst parts about playing fantasy football for you? Oh, the the best without question are the, you know, like it was a, I mean, they're social networks, right? So it's, I, I mean, I'm, I'm almost embarrassed by the number of friends that I have purely from fantasy leagues and like longstanding fantasy leagues. Like, it, you know, pe people that I genuinely love and have now known for decades, I've met it, entirely through fantasy right and awesome. um so that to me is the best thing um that's just that's just the absolute best thing live drafts also a great thing um can't say enough good things about live drafts the 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 worst if you're if you're in our role and you and you actually do our job is um you know like you're you, the the basic job description um, that we have is that it's like our role to take the blame when things go bad for people. And, you know, it's all the credit to them when, when things go right, you know, um, I mean, like the worst feeling is being wrong on a guy and have like, you know, three or four people reach out to you to point out the fact that, you know, you made the wrong call on like, Cordero Patterson when he goes off for multiple touchdowns in a game, right. which he barely freaking plays, right? Like that's I I never get over that. Like Everyone's I know it's coming, that, Andy. Like come on. <laughs> oh, I I always brace myself for it. I'm like, by the time he scores the second time, you're like, you, you know, little ball just <laughs> waiting because you know the tweets are going to come and then they come and you're like, ah. You're right. <laughs> I totally agree with you. Last week, I actually tweeted something. I didn't even say start Alec, Alex Collins. I said, I'm in the unfortunate situation where I have to start Alex Collins and Samaje P. Ryan in a, a league. And so, of course, he doesn't have a great game. And all these people were like trash take on Alex Collins. And I'm like, <laughs> come on, guys. Like, I mean, I don't know. I, th I think I was far from the only person that said he was certainly a good play on Thursday night. I don't think that a lot of us thought that game script would go the way. I, I remember tweeting about it on on Thursday night because about Collins specifically, because I maybe it's 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 probably my like fatal weakness as a fantasy manager. I I can't get over sort of the the volume chase, right? And if I mm -hmm. if I see a perfect like we knew that Alex Collins and he like he's coming off a perfectly fine game. He's mm -hmm. a fine player. He's an NFL quality running back, but like 
man, when I see a guy who I know is just like a replacement level running back, but I think he's going to get 16 touches. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm, you know, then I start making some wild choices relative to like really good receivers. <laughs> and I, was, I was tweeting about the fact that, man, I'm, I'm about to start Alex Collins uh, over, you know, it was over guys like Michael Pittman who had a great day and Chase Claypool who saw a million targets. And like, I knew that I was starting Alex Collins <laughs> over some receivers who were legitimately good players. <laughs> I'm just like playing this volume game and I've never been able to shake that. I've done that my whole fantasy life. I totally, totally empathize. That may have lost me my league last week. So um, yeah, pain. All right. Jumping into the actual football stuff. We are going to kick it off with a segment called the burn book, which is of course a mean girls reference. So as fantasy managers, it's so easy to have recency bias, especially if a man uh, like if a player has burned us either due to injuries or a bad week. So I'm going to run through five players and I'd like you to briefly tell us how confident you are in that player moving forward or if they are in your burn book. So I actually did these players before knowing that you were a, a Bears fan and there are a number of Bears players in this, <laughs> these next two segments. So oh, no. I, it's, I'm even more excited to hear your, your insight. So the first guy we're going to talk about is Justin Fields. He did post his best game to date for fantasy, tallying 14 points, good enough to finish as QB 17 going into Monday Night Football. It's the first time this year he's finished better than QB 31, which isn't obviously great considering we lauded him as a potential top 12 guy the moment he was going to take over just because of the rushing. One encouraging thing is that he did see a season high 43 rushing yards for fantasy purposes. Is he like though in your burn book or how do you feel about him? Yeah, this is, um, man, I, I could probably filibuster on this and, and <laughs> fill up the rest of the show. So I'll try to not do it. Um, the, the, the most, vexing thing i guess is that they have remained a, an extremely low volume passing offense um and, and that like green bay was set up to in my mind as a game where like okay we're finally going to see justin fields throw the ball 30 times and he almost got there right he got to he got to 27 28 yeah. something like that um but you, you know they've got some games coming up on the sky hey uh next week tampa bay like we've seen teams literally like get off the bus, abandoning the run against Tampa Bay. I mean, Dallas did it right. Like the team with Zeke Elliott abandoned the run basically against, against Tampa. Um, they're just an, an absolute stonewall defensive front. You're not going to be able to compete in that game. If you're just throwing Khalil Herbert into the line 25 times. So we like, if you're going to game plan to the opponent, which, you know, you're supposed to do, um, they're, they're gonna have to throw the ball 35 or 40 times. Like that's not a, that's not a big ask against Tampa Bay. They have a, they have a clear vulnerability and they have a clear strength defensively. And you, you know, you gotta, you gotta play to that. Um, but we're going to find out if the bears are actually willing to do that because to this point, like, I mean, Justin Fields ha hasn't really approached 30 pass attempts in a game and you, you pretty much have to be Jalen Hurts or, or, uh, Lamar Jackson. If you're going to, if you're going to overcome like 1970s level pass volume. And that's, that's kind of where we're at with Justin Fields, right? Like it was, he's clearly a gifted runner, um, mm -hmm. but he still only ran the ball six times to get those, to get those 43 yards. So this isn't like a Trey Lance situation where, you know, Trey Lance all of a sudden busts out, you know, 16 rush attempts. We're not getting that out of fields. Um, so I, either the rushing has to trend upward, like in an extreme way, or they they have to actually put the ball in the air 40 times, which is which is just not even an extraordinary number in the current era, but they mm -hmm. haven't been close to doing it. And it's 
I mean, that's going to help. That's going to hold everybody back in, in this offense, except for the running backs. And so I'm just, I'm just so interested to see if they're, if they're willing to do it against Tampa, because mm-hmm. again, it's probably the only way to stay within two scores of Tampa. Yeah. Totally understand. I came out of this 16 team salary cap draft with Russell Wilson and Justin Fields. It's a one quarterback league, but like I thought I was a genius. It had a great (laughs) compliment of running of quarterbacks. And yeah, obviously I had to start Fields this week because it's it's also really deep benches. So like there's no one on the waiver wire. Like I don't even know that Davis Mills was on the waiver wire type thing. So like, you're not going to get anyone is my point. So uh, yeah, it was a little tough though. The scoring in my league, it ended up being that he scored like almost 20 points, which was okay. So I'm not going to totally fault him there and probably need to just make a trade for someone. Um, I, if I, I will say, him. I feel like I kind of dodged your question in a way. And, and like, um, I'm, I, I partially just want to, kick it down the road to the Tampa game because I, again, I just want to know what the game plan is, but I will say he had at least one really nice drive. Um, the interception that he threw on Sunday, absolutely not his fault. He thought it, well, it's his fault, but he <laughs> thought he had a free play um, there. I mean, there was a Packer offsides and he just thought he had sort of the classic Aaron Rodgers free play. Right. And then mm-hmm. they didn't throw the flag and it became an interception. So I don't even, I don't even really put that on him. Like he made a good decision that resulted in, in an unfortunate outcome. So that wasn't even really bad. Um, he, he made some nice throws. He's going downfield, unlike Andy Dalton, who was just never going downfield in the first couple of weeks. So there are things I can hang my hat on and it's just, the things that that we really thought were positive traits about Justin Fields, the the Bears have hardly have hardly utilized them, yeah. um, which is which is weird. Um, it, it's still a little bit of a coaching failure, but I I want to I mean I want to give him this Tampa game before I before I'm willing to say uh, I'm I'm done with you and I'm moving on. Yeah, this Tampa game definitely feels like it's like a now or never type thing. Speaking of mm-hmm. Tampa, Miles Sanders had a brutal matchup last week, but. It's not like he's really sharing work with Kenny Gainwell. He saw Gainwell saw zero carries all game. He's RB Sanders is RB 33, which isn't downright awful, but it's certainly not impressive. How do you feel about Sanders rest of season or is he in your bird book? Uh, he's, he's probably in that book. I got to say like these are, and listen, there's nothing you can do about it this week. This is, this is maybe the worst. I don't know. I've already said that I've been playing fantasy for a million years. I can't remember a bye week that's as bad as the one that we're about to hit. Um, <laughs> it's all these juggernaut offenses that are like six teams on by and they're all great. And, and so like half of the, half of the top 10 running backs are like on by this week. It's crazy. Um, so you got to play them. Um, you can't, you can't move on from Sanders right now. But I, I just feel like a good week for him at this moment is uh, is a dozen touches, which is which is just not what we're looking for. <laughs> like I, I don't I don't feel confident discussing him as anything more than a flex. We have the you know the problem in which the quarterback is probably the most gifted runner on the team and is clearly a primary goal line option, right? So it's a little bit of that Josh Allen problem. No matter how much you like the running back, um, when they get in goal to go situation uh, situations, it's probably going to be Jalen Hurts. So that's a thing. Um, and he's at least sharing the receiving workload out of the backfield with Gainwell, who sometimes pops and sometimes doesn't, but is clearly a threat and has looked really good. Um, so, and then Sanders is also the sort of player where you're like, not totally confident starting him. And he has virtually no trade value. Like somebody comes to Mm -hmm. me with a deal for miles Sanders. I'm like, I'm past, you know, um, that's, that's not super interesting to me. It's not going to certainly not going to move the needle for my fantasy team. It might be, 
we might be in a situation where there's somebody in your league who has like both Zeke and Eckler and you can go to them with Miles Sanders and say, Hey, I'm going to help you get through the buy or something like that. And that's how you unload him. But, um, but I'm not, I'm certainly not interested in acquiring him. Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, he could have a good week against the Raiders. So certainly wouldn't be the worst guy um, to start this week. All right. The next guy we're going to talk about is Chris Godwin. It was a weird game where Lenny got two touchdowns and the two <laughs> receiving touchdowns came to Brown and Howard while Godwin and Evans combined for 70 yards. That is just not how I would have expected those stat lines to, to play out. He finished his wide receiver 46 with one game to play and his wide receiver 21 on the season behind Brown and Evans. Are there just simply too many mouths to feed for him to be the elite receiver and reach that potential? Um, how do you feel about him? Well, it, I mean, we are talking about a, a, passing game where it's uh, it's become routine for them to throw four or five touchdown passes right um and there are a lot of mouths to feed but but the mouths are all great <laughs> so we can't really begrudge tom brady for uh, oh you found antonio brown one of the greatest receivers of any era um right. you know there, there's no there's no question that mike evans deserves targets and it's probably going to be a situation where even in a even in a very high yield offense like this um and that's and that's going to go on all season too, right? Because they, you know, the friendly defenses within the, the division. Nobody's really completely put the brakes on them yet. Like it's just a great team. Godwin's a great player, and he's going to have a handful of spike weeks. But we, it would be fair to say that we can't think of any of these guys, Brown included, mm -hmm. as players who are going to fall into that like you know Stephon Diggs situation last year, where just every week is eight catches and or a touchdown. Like it's not going to be like that. Um, Godwin had a quiet week, but he caught every target. Um, you know, he's still one of the absolute best at his position, and it at least he's not mired in like the Allen Robinson situation, right? Like where um, the volume is always going to be low and all we can hope for is a touchdown. Um, I, I mean, I just feel like Godwin is going to have, he's got three weeks ahead of him in which he, in which he gives us 20 plus fantasy points. Maybe, maybe it's more than that. So I'm not particularly worried. Like you can be disappointed that he wasn't the, you know, they spun the wheel and it didn't land on, on Godwin last week, but you can't feel bad about rostering and moving forward. Yeah. I guess you, you, do have to start him every week um, just because of the upside. But here you are segueing us into the next guy. It's like you have the script in front of you. Um, <laughs> Alan Robinson, yet to score double-digit fantasy points once this year, has fewer targets, receptions, and receiving yards than Darnell Mooney. Are we totally out on A-Rob rest of season? Is he in your burn book? Um, and you can tell me as a fan and as an analyst. I feel like you have, you've managed to, to book the one guest who wouldn't say that he's, that he's in the book. Um, <laughs> I like, I still think of Alan Robinson as a, as like a real life top 12, top 15 receiver. Um, mm -hmm. I, I've certainly seen no indication that he's slipping, right? Like he's not, he's not necessarily a guy who, who wins by, you know, he doesn't win through sheer speed or anything like that. He's not Tyree kill. He's just an absolute master of his craft in terms of both route running and, and utilizing leverage against defensive backs. Like anytime he's single covered, he's open and the ball should be in the air. I, I do think it's reasonable to worry that with a player like Fields, who's going to take some time to come along and like Fields is adjusting from like 
what it looks like when a receiver is open at Ohio State to what it looks like when a receiver is open in the NFL. And those are just really different things. Like at Ohio State, sometimes there's not a defensive back in the camera frame. And in the NFL, there's usually a guy who's like a step away, right? And that's open. And um, he's got to adjust to that. Fields has made some nice throws to Robinson. Robinson has had a couple of notable drops this year, which is really unfortunate, but we don't really like, you don't really think of drops as something that are super repeatable for a great player, but dropped passes within the context of an offense that only wants to put the ball near 20 to 25 times is kind of a killer. So that's the worry with him. But I, but I don't think he's, you know, Darnell Mooney has caught a couple of touchdowns and he was wide open for a touchdown on Sunday, but they're seeing, they're seeing basically the same volume. Um, I, I want to say that Robinson had more receiving yards against green Bay. Not that, not that either one of them had a, had a huge receiving day. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of in the same spot with him that I am with fields where like, if the, if the game, t- if the game plan doesn't shift in a, in a major way, a profound way against Tampa, then I gotta, I gotta kind of throw my hands in the air and, and finally take the L on Robinson and just say, well, it's not going to happen because this is the one game that just screams, screams, you got to throw the ball 40 times. And if they don't, and if I'm looking at the box score after the Tampa game and they've again thrown the ball 24 times and Khalil Herbert has rushed 22 times for 44 yards or something like that, like yeah. then I'll be like, okay, we're done here. <laughs> I guess he's a drop. Um, but I'm I, like, at this point, I still just believe in the talent. Yeah, I totally agree. I do hope there is still, I still have hope that there is an Allen Robinson breakout game this upcoming. I feel like it's uh, it's more that the Bears are in my burn book right now and not Allen Robinson. <laughs> that, I, that I totally no. understand, yeah. <laughs> so the final guy we're going to talk about is Robert Tunyon. So he was the guy that was drafted top 12, scored two or fewer points though in five of six games this year. On one hand, we like having exposure in high scoring offenses and like having guys that are catching passes from uh, Aaron Rodgers. But on the other hand, he doesn't have more than three catches all year. Is he droppable to you and totally in your burn book? Yeah, he is. Um, I, I would confidently say that he's a, that he's a potential drop. And that doesn't mean that he's not going to have like a three catch, you know, 35 yard, one touchdown game or, or even several of them coming up at some point. Um, but the, I mean, this volume is too low, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the volume is way too low. We, we've already seen other tight ends basically emerge as the Robert Tunyons of 2021. <laughs> you know, like hopefully, hopefully you got on Dawson Knox, um, Schultz, and any number of guys, right? That, uh, that, that are kind of filling the role in elite offenses mm-hmm. that, uh, that Tunyon did last year. Um, we're, we're just not going to get a 50 touchdown season out of, <laughs> out of Aaron Rodgers. It's not headed that way, right? And that, that is kind of what propped up Tunyon's value last year. I mean, he had so many touchdowns where like, you have, you have so many difficult choices to make when you face the Packers uh, passing game and defenses would just, you know, they, they lost him and he had like walk in easy scores. Um, it, it's just not happening this time around. And I get like Rogers is great. And of course, Rogers can go off for four or five passing touchdowns in any given week. But so far this year, it, it, you know, it looks more like the, the, I guess I would say like the 2018, 2019 version of Aaron Rodgers, where he's still, brilliant and he's still a step ahead of everybody and he can still put the ball wherever he wants to, but he's not, you know, uh, uh, just nuclear mode where, um, he like every time they get at the one yard line, the ball's going in the air and he wants to finish the season with 48, 50 touchdown passes. And he's just assaulting teams like that. Like it's been two touchdowns a week, which is great. Um, he, 
he's a wonderful player. He never gives the ball away, but at, at two touchdowns a week, I don't think he can support Robert Tunyon. I agree. He was definitely a guy that I was fading and he is now in my burn book. So that'll do it for this segment. Next up here on the Fantasy Flex is our Elite Entry segment, where I am going to dive into the Prize Picks app to build some entries. I'm going to identify some markets I like, you build your own Prize Picks entries, and all of us have a little fun and make some money. So today I'm going to look at four Week 7 quarterback plays on Prize Picks. Can you believe it is already Week 7? It is going to be a by NATO, by the way, for Fantasy, but let us just jump in to look at some of the guys that are playing this week. So the first play I like is Justin Fields, over 210 and a half passing yards on the road in Tampa Bay. This would be a career high for Justin Fields, but if it's going to happen for Fields, it's got to be this game. The Bucks' pass defense is super, super banged up and has given up a ton of yards and points. They rank the sixth worst in the NFL in yards per game. And if the Bears are smart, which... Hey, I'm not sure if they are, but if they are smart, they're going to abandon the run and chuck it like 40 plus times. I think that that is the only way that they're going to stay within like two touchdowns of the Buccaneers. And, you know, we've seen coaches like Bill Belichick, and I'm certainly not comparing Bill Belichick and Matt Nagy, but we've seen other coaches have success when, or at least a little bit of a success when they just completely abandon the run. So I'm hoping to see Justin Fields sort of it out if only for my shares in Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney but yes I love him to go over 210 and a half passing yards just based on matchup alone the next one I like is Mac Jones under 240 and a half passing yards at home versus the Jets so we hit the Mac Jones under last week we actually hit well there's one game still pending right now as I'm recording this but we hit two so far so let's just keep it rolling um So we hit the under last week. Um, The Jets have not done too, too much right this year. Um, They are on a one-game win streak, uh, but they have managed to keep their games, mostly losses, uh, low scoring. These two teams did meet first earlier in the year. Um, The game ended 25-6 in favor of the Patriots, and I could honestly see this being another 30-point game. Um, Both of these offenses haven't shown tons of life I know the Patriots kind of put up a number of points last week um, against the the Cowboys. I mean, that was an overtime game, but certainly didn't look that exciting. Jones passed for just 186 yards in the team's last meeting with zero touchdowns, and he has only passed for 200, at least 240 yards three times this year. So I think there's a good chance that this game is just really low scoring and maybe means a little bit more on the run and he goes under there. I also like Zach Wilson on the other side of the ball to hit the under. His under over under for passing yards is 225. Um, this is the second time, like I said, that these teams have met. The first time was an absolute nightmare for Zach Wilson. I don't know if you remember that game. Bill Belichick, who is just like rookie quarterback kryptonite, completely shut down Wilson and held him to 210 yards, zero touchdowns. Wilson also made the Pats defense look like the 85 Bears with four interceptions. I expect this to be another difficult day for the rookie in Foxborough, so I like him to go under the 225 and a half. And then finally, I like Jameis Winston to go over 215 and a half passing yards on the road in Seattle. After starting slow from a passing volume per, like from a passing volume standpoint, sorry, uh, he's definitely turned it around 
of late. It's a far cry from like, you know, the 50 passing attempts, 300 passing yard games that we were used to seeing in 2019 from Jameis. But he would have hit the over in this number in each of the last two games that he played. Um, he's going to be well rested coming off of the Saints week six five. By the way, he looked like he had some great chemistry with Marquez Callaway, who was kind of like the preseason phenom. I think he should be able to rack up a decent amount of yardage against Seattle's Swiss cheese secondary. Say that five times fast, which is giving up the fifth most passing yards per game at 292.3, which is one spot worse than the Bucks. So they have been absolutely terrible against the pass. I like him to go over. All right, so that is our elite entry today, going with Justin Fields over 210 and a half passing yards on the road to Tampa Bay, Mac Jones under 240 and a half passing yards at home versus the Jets, Zach Wilson under 225 and a half passing yards on the road versus the Patriots, and Jameis Winston over 215 and a half passing yards on the road in Seattle. As a reminder, you can mix and match fantasy points and player props to make your lineups super spicy. Also, prize sticks markets move, so you will want to be nimble to lock in the best numbers and make your pick as soon as possible. If you have not created a PrizePix account, please check out the link in our episode description because PrizePix has a special offer for Fantasy Flex listeners. They will match your first deposit up to $100. Just click the link in our episode description or visit prizepix.com and use promo code ACTION10. All right, let's just keep it moving here on 21 Questions. Our next segment is called a full send or that's cap, which is sort of the opposite of the last one. I'm going to give you five players whose values are on the rise. And I want to know, are you sending it on this player or is that cap? So I'm not going to like patronize or anything, but send is a, it's like a ski term when you're like jumping off a cliff, you're like, Oh, I'm going full send. I'm going to throw a backflip or like whatever. I'm glad you clarified (laughs) that. I'm, I'm not a winter sports person. You could not, you could not get me to fall down a mountain on sticks. Um, It's just not going to (laughs) happen. Totally fair. Totally fair. Um, So yeah. And then cap obviously is like, that's crap. It's not a real thing. So anyway, (laughs) our first player is a Kirk cousins. What I don't get is he has struggled in some easier matchups, a C week five versus Detroit, but then shows up against Carolina and throws for 373 yards, three touchdowns and zero interceptions. Um, Are you going full send on cousins as a viable QB one streamer? And like, if you have him as a manager, like, would you advise managers to hang on to him through his week seven buy? So that's a, that's an interesting point about the, about the bye week ahead, by the way, with all these, like it's the chargers, it's the bills, it's the Vikings, it's the Steelers. Who am I leaving out? Dallas, Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Like it's all these good players, all these good quarterbacks. There's, there's actually going to be like a handful of leagues where, you know, I think Kirk cousins is probably 80% rostered, 75% re- rostered at Yahoo, but like people are going to drop him because it's such a difficult week. Um, I'm, I'm full send on him. Um, and like, he obviously has had his issues over the years. Um, but he's tied to such good receivers and he is playing so well right now. And there's, I I'm, I'm sure at some point we're going to get the random, you know, Kirk trap game where, um, he coughs up a a dud again in a, in a matchup that seems perfect. Like that that's happened throughout his career. Um, but his, his best games are, are all going to be like 335 yards and three touchdowns. Um, I, I feel high degree of confidence in Kirk Cousins. They're also, it's not, you know, this isn't a dominant defense. Um, and, and so it, it, there have been points in the past where it, it really feels like the Vikings, if they could, would would just throw the ball 22 times and they'd lean on Dalvin Cook and a, a good defense. And I just don't think that's the identity of this team. Like 
I think the identity of this team is, is that, you know, Thielen is still great and, and Justin Jefferson is an ascending star and, and Kirk Cousins is a veteran who is just at that perfect point of experience and, uh, you know, like he's seen everything there is to see. He still has all the physical tools that he's ever had. Um, and he's probably going to deliver one of his best seasons, uh, as long as he stays healthy. So any given week, any given opponent, um, 335, 350, and three touchdowns is is definitely on the table for Kirk. So I'm I'm in. I'm holding them. That is great to know. KJ Osborne popped off on my bench. So at mm-hmm. least I have him. But um yeah. yeah, certainly interesting to see how he performs in like different matchups because like I said, he definitely will put up like a really bad game against a bad defense. And it's pretty head scratching. But anyway, um, the next guy we're gonna talk about, another bear is Darnell Mooney. So as mentioned before, he's got more, he's doing better than Allen Robinson in pretty much every category, though their volume is very similar. And he will finish as a top 24 receiver for the second time this year for this week. Um, Are we going full send on Mooney as the wide receiver one in this offense? And is he a viable starter for fantasy? Because he is, I don't want to say widely available, but it's under 50%. Right. You know what? He's, he's weirdly available. Yes. Um, and I, I write the pickups column for, for Yahoo each week. And um, I, I almost left him out because I didn't even check his mm-hmm. uh, roster percentage because why would he be, why would he only be rostered in 44% of leagues? It seems strange. That's obviously going to change because there's like a dozen, you know, wide receiver ones and wide receiver twos on buy this week. So he's going to get scooped up everywhere. Um, I I, I'm just, I'm not with the people who are suggesting that he is the bears clear wide receiver one. That's just, mm-hmm. that's not in the target totals. Um, he's, he's had, he's made some wonderful plays. Like he, everybody had him as a sleeper coming into this year because he was like his, his timed speed um, just absolutely translated to the field last year. Um, the bears couldn't really make it happen for him because, you know, they just, the line couldn't block for any of these deep routes that he was running, but he was smoking guys all year. Like um, he was obviously great last season and it's, and it's come to fruition a little bit this year. We're seeing more of it, um, but his, his targets aren't fundamentally different from Robinson's um, Robinson is still highly skilled. Like Mooney's going to have a bunch of good weeks though. Like I, I, the one nice thing I guess we could say about the bears passing game is that it's not, it's not like they're throwing the ball to, you know, nine different guys. Um, most of the targets are still being funneled to like a running back and these two receivers. Mm-hmm. And so, but we're also sort of talking about like, which guy is going to score the bears lone offensive touchdown. That's, that's what we're, that's what we're getting into. Same. So, yeah. And, and, you know, it's obviously that's been Mooney more often than it's been Robinson, I guess, but I don't, you know, to to Mooney's credit, I think he's put himself in the conversation. Like Robinson is moving one way and Mooney is moving the other, right? Like I, I get it, but I feel like they've just kind of arrived at the same place. It's not like I, it's not like week in, week out. I'm just expecting Mooney to outproduce Robinson because again, the volume is super similar. Yeah, I totally agree. I really have a lot of hope for him because as you mentioned, he was a very popular sleeper, one of the sleepers that I talked about a lot and I have him on a lot of benches. So hopefully he does see a little bit more volume moving forward if this passing offense can kind of get it going. All right, the next guy we're going to talk about is Daryl Williams. 
why is who is the best Chiefs running back and why is it Daryl Williams right now? <laughs> I, I just I don't understand it. He showed up in we, this week, RB five and half PPR with one game to play. Twenty four touches for eighty nine all purpose yards and two touchdowns. While Jarek McKinnon saw four touches for fifteen yards. I know this is recency bias and Ceh is on IR, but are we going full send on Williams even once Ceh comes back? Yeah, well that's. That's the real question. Um, we've the Chiefs have already shown us that they are <laughs> they are somewhat less than satisfied with CEH, right? Because they, I mean, they're the guys who invited Le'Veon Bell into the building last year. Um, that didn't need to happen. And I, like, I think Edwards Elaire is fine, and I think he's gonna. He, he hasn't become quite the back that I thought he would um, coming into the league. Like, I was super excited about that draft pick, both because of system and player. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I mean, he does have back-to-back hundred yard games this season. It's not like he was playing poorly, but I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like Daryl Williams is going to be, if not, if not 50% of the backfield work, it's going to be, he's certainly going to occupy, I would think, um, the, the share that they had intended to give bell a year ago. Right. I, and I don't know what that yeah. is. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's 40%. I don't know if it's 45, I don't know if it's 50. Um, but but he's good. Um, and he's, he's good in, in goal to go situations as well, which is, you know, not that touchdown scoring is, is, uh, some super predictable thing, but obviously we've seen CEH stonewalled at the, at the goal line a handful of times. Um, and, and Williams is just really good and decisive there. Um, and he's, he's a, he's a strong, decisive runner. I don't think he's exceptional necessarily, but it's not like, I think Edwards Hilaire is, is exceptional in any particular area. There's, at, at some point, we're going to see CEH really, I, I would hope, emerge as a, I mean, I just think, I think there's another level that he can reach as a pass catcher mm-hmm. that, that I, I thought he was ready to, I thought he was ready to go as a rookie. Like, I thought that was going to happen as a rookie. It didn't happen. I, I still think he's got a level to go there. I feel like he and Williams can be really not, they can, they can complement each other really well. Um, but, but yeah, I, I guess I'm, if not full send, I'm partial send on, uh, if that's, that's probably not a ski term. I don't know. Probably, probably don't want a partial send. You've probably injured send yourself. Send. Partial send. Fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, but, I, I get it. I think, yeah, I think, I think this value is going to, is going to hold, um, not, you know, he's not going to be two touchdown, 20 touch Daryl Williams, but as a pretty bankable flex where he's going to give you 10 to 12 touches. I think that's very much in play. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm there yet that I think he's going to necessarily be like a viable fantasy asset rest of season, but I think he's going to be getting enough volume that it's going to make a headache for CEH managers. So I think mm-hmm. that's kind of really the takeaway from this. And I would be very concerned if I had CEH on my roster at this point. So another guy that had a great game, we already kind of talked about him. Leonard Fournette stole the show with 22 carries for 81 yards, two touchdowns, caught all six targets for 46 yards, tallying more receiving yards than Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. I'm still a little salty about that, but <laughs> I want to keep fading him given Bruce Arians mercurial nature with running backs, but it's getting to the point that I like, I can't do it anymore. So are you going full send on Fournette rest of season as a high end RB2, low end RB1 rest of season, or is it kind of cap? Yeah, no, uh, I think I am. I think I am going full send because this is, this is, you know, this is consecutive weeks now. This isn't, this isn't the situation we had last year where we were, we were just like a week behind constantly, yeah. right? We were guessing wrong all the time, just as soon as we thought it was, you know, Leonard Fournette's backfield, um, Ronald Jones would get a start and take the first three series or whatever. Um, 
And Jones has just been sort of a, a supporting, you know, cameo role player lately. And Fournette's been good. Um, I, I kind of hoped coming into the season that they would, um, that they would use Fournette's in, just incredible playoff performance as a, uh, as a catapult to just sort of make him the main guy, because obviously if one guy falls into 80% of the, the touches in this backfield, that guy's a star. And, and right now that's Fournette. And it, it, you know, he's not, he's not going to be, I don't think he's going to be a player because it's a touchdown or two each week. It's not going to go like that um, because the, I mean, the passing game is definitely their strength. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to oversell him as, as some sort of rare and special talent. He's good. Um, He's certainly good enough to, to occupy the lead role in this job. And man, the, the lead role in the Tampa backfield is a big deal. Um, Mm -hmm. That's a, that's an offense that's going to end up averaging 30 to 35 points a game. And so we want that. Um, and he's, he's just done nothing to lose his grip on that. And I, you know, it, it sure looks like Gio Bernard is going to be a, a rotational guy and Ronald Jones is going to be a rotational guy and Fournette's going to take all the work he can handle. I just know the moment that I start trusting in Leonard Fournette, <laughs> he's going, it's, it's the Ronald Jones game. So, uh, no, I do, I do hope that he is the playoff Lenny is what we're going to see from now on. Um, all right. The last guy we're going to talk about is Mike Gesicki. It has been quite a roller coaster of a season. He looked borderline droppable after two weeks. Bagel didn't get did. one. Then had two straight 14 point fantasy games and half PPR struggled in week five in a positive matchup, but then had a monster eight catch 115 yard game in week six will likely finish as a top three tight end. I get it. The position's a nightmare. Like there is no other way to put it. Um, but like, are we trusting him? Are we going full send on him moving forward? It seems wrong to go full send. So no, um, <laughs> I, I'm one of the, there, I do have a league in which I dropped Kasiki after, after I think week two, um, I'm not regretting it because it was for Dawson Knox and that's been, that that's worked out yeah, totally fine. <laughs> totally. Right? So I feel pretty good about that. Um, I did. Yeah. I wasn't chasing after like Max Williams or anything like that. So it went fine. It went fine. Um, But I I also just feel like part of this is, you know, Parker out, Fuller out. um, You know, it's not the receiving core that they expected to have. So a lot of stuff was going to tight ends. On the other hand, um, uh, oftentimes uh, when, when, when Tua is looking deep, it doesn't go well. Like he just, he just missed a bunch of throws. I mean, it's great to see him back Mm -hmm. He had a decent enough fantasy day, but he, but he really threw some ugly balls. Um, Gusecki is also someone who it, perhaps not, perhaps not so much this year, last year. I mean, there, there were still moments where like well-thrown passes were hitting him in the face and falling to the ground. Right. Like he's not, he's not perfect. Um, and so I just don't feel like week to week, he's going to be particularly consistent. I also don't feel like this is the sort of offense, like, you know, I, I don't like to, I shouldn't compare him to Dawson Knox in any way, but like the bills are just going to put 35 on anybody. Mm-hmm. And it's been a, I mean, I almost swore there. I don't know if I can swear on the show, but like, it's been, it's been, it's been quite a, it's been quite a season for Miami and they're just going to have a whole bunch of other games in which they, you know, it's like the bears situation where like, there's going to be a bunch of matchups yeah. where you're just hoping that whoever, whichever dolphin you start, you're getting their lone <laughs> offensive touchdown. And, yeah. and I mean, that's just not going to go to Gesicki very often. So is he somebody who's probably going to finish as like the tight end 11 or nine or something like that. And we'll look at the year end fantasy ranks and say, Oh, well, this is a, he was a top tight. He was a tight end one. Um, but he's not playing that way necessarily. He yeah. also, he also had one of my like low key favorite highlights of, of, of the week where he, where he 
tried to hurdle a guy and only got like, I don't know, two and a half feet off the ground and basically just jumped into his arms. I like, this was one of my favorite things that I, that I saw. I mean, I, I love it when hurdles go wrong. I, I love it when they go horribly wrong. And, and I love it when they, they just end in a hilarious visual like that. Yeah, that is hilarious. As often as the Chiefs and Bills are going to put up like 40 points, I think that same frequency, like that same probability is there for the Dolphins to put up like 13 points. Yeah. So, yeah, you're totally right that this offense is more concerning than necessarily Kasiki as a player. All right, Annie, we have eight more rapid fire questions. So let's just get this all done. Name one player you just can't quit or always find yourself making excuses for. So for me, that is Joe Mixon as the player, not the person. But he's just like the guy that I'm always like, it's Mixon season. I, I can't move on from him. And you know what? Whatever. He's doing well right now. So I'll, I'll just keep rolling with it. Well, I, I mean... After all that I've said about Allen Robinson, I would be an absolute fraud here if I didn't say <laughs> Allen Robinson because I've already made, I don't know, 10 excuses for him on, on the podcast <laughs> so far. So I feel like I've already I've already painted myself into a corner there. I do just want to say that like I, I agree with everything you said on on Mixon. And Mixon is one of those guys where um even when even when he didn't look like the most efficient runner a handful of years ago, um, the, the, the way I've always liked to put it is that it, it seemed like a staple of Cincinnati's offense for a couple of years there was just to put Joe Mixon in impossible situations well behind the line of scrimmage and see if he could wriggle his way to two or three yards. And he would. And, and like just a, just a miracle worker sometimes with like just bad numbers behind the line of scrimmage. Um, he's, he's really good. Like he's yeah. really good. He's in that, he's in that upper, uh, just as a pure rushing talent. I feel like Joe Mixon, um, prime Joe Mixon. He's been, you know, he's been dinged obviously a little bit lately, but Joe Mixon at his best is, is in that upper tier of just pure rushers. Um, and so I, yeah, he's, he's a guy that I, I, you know, I, I always seem to go back to, but I, obviously I have to say Robinson <laughs> here because I've now made 19 excuses for him. I feel so vindicated. So <laughs> you're now my favorite person. Um, predict, <laughs> predict when the Bears will win their next Super Bowl. Oh, no. Oh, no. Actually, um, I've had a lot of Bears fans, too, on this podcast, maybe like three already. And it's it's been interesting range of responses. So I'd like to hear. Yeah, but... You know, I, I I just feel like there there's such a transformation ahead, both in the division and and with that team. Um, it's it's almost certainly not going to be with uh, Pace and Nagy uh, in in key roles, uh, decision making roles with the team, right? So I feel like we have to get to a new regime. I I feel like Aaron Rodgers needs to leave the division, which hey, that may happen as soon as next year. Like that's on the table. That's as a Bears fan. I'm probably looking forward to uh, Aaron Rodgers moving on to his next team more than I'm looking forward to almost anything. Um, so that needs to happen as well. I, I also kind of feel like the Lions are going to be a little frisky in the division. They have been so far, but that's that's a separate concern. So I, I feel like we need to get to a new coaching staff um, and somebody else needs to rebuild the the roster. And it probably all happens without Allen Robinson. So this is all a way of saying that I don't think it can happen in the next three years. Um, so maybe we're talking, but I, but I do feel like Justin Fields can be part of it. I think he's got mm -hmm. a huge arm. I think he has clear, like he has clear elite traits. And mm -hmm. once you find a quarterback like that, You've got to do everything you can to, to create a great developmental environment for him. You've got to make him happy at all costs. You've got to put a receiving core around him and an offensive line ahead of him and all that stuff. And like, if they do that, 
then I, then I guess I feel like maybe the year is 2026, 2027, something like that. Like it's totally in play. I'm a big believer in Justin Fields long-term. Love to see it. I definitely had a number of Bears fans say 2023. So uh, they are very, very all in on fields and all in on him making that leap very quickly. So uh, hopefully we see that overhaul of Nagy and Pace sooner rather than later. All right. I don't actually know Damian Williams status right now, but assuming he plays next week, and I don't know if that's a fair assumption, who has more points in fantasy, him or Khalil Herbert? Uh, it's a yeah, it's a good question, and it could be one of those uh, one of those situations where the right answer is is you don't want to play either one of them. Um, I do think Williams is the better receiver. Uh, I, I think he has a real gift for for creating um, throwing lanes uh, for his quarterback. I don't know that that's going to matter a ton with Justin Fields ultimately, um, but I but I do feel like he's a better receiver. Khalil Herbert's been very impressive, but it's a, it's just a killer matchup against Tampa. And and again, not to belabor that point, but like if the bears don't go into this thing, thinking that they have to throw the ball 40 times, I don't, I don't know what they've scouted. Like you're just not going to be able to plow into the Tampa defensive front and, you know, and pile up points and yards. It's just not going to happen. So um, if Williams plays, I, I I would say uh, I'm going to have him ranked a little bit higher. Fair enough. I mean, Khalil Herbert definitely saved one of my teams this week, but yeah, <laughs> it, it will make things a little muddier once Williams returns. Um, was Joe Flacco ever elite? Yes or no? For um, for six games, uh, five games, six games at at the most critical time uh, in in uh, real life in a season. Yeah, he played out of his mind. He was he was phenomenal, and he beat great defenses, and he beat dynasties, and and then he, whatever deal he made with the devil expired, <laughs> and then he was Joe Flacco again. <laughs> but like, but like for a month and a half, I mean, and hey, he did it again. Like, if you're only going to have like a month and a half out of your career where you are a master of your craft um, totally. in the NFL, man, do it as a quarterback in, in December and January. He was phenomenal. Absolutely. Uh, will any Bears player finish at the top five in their respective position for fantasy? Uh, if, if anyone does it, it's going to be Santos. Um, it's not, (laughs) it's, it's it's off the table for David Montgomery with the injury. Now, um, it's clearly not going to happen for Justin Fields because he's, he's given up too much ground to the, to the rest of the league. And, uh, there's, there's no path for, for Robinson and Mooney at this point. If I've been thinking that if Robinson can even get to like 900 or a thousand receiving yards, like say that everything gets a little bit better in the second half and Robinson has some games, man, if Allen Robinson has like a thousand receiving yard season, given this team context, that mm-hmm. is like, send him straight to Canton. It's over. <laughs> like he'll have, he'll have had a thousand yards with portals and Trubisky and Foles and then <laughs> rookie Justin. I mean, just an incredible, um, an incredible run, but he's got a lot of work to do. Here you are making more excuses for Alan Robinson. Oh, I d- yeah, you're totally right. You're totally right. <laughs> I love it. No. Um, who should managers top waiver ad be this week? Man, it's so it's so contextual, especially especially this week. Um, because again, it's it's just such a it's such a nightmare out there. Um, so maybe I'll maybe I'll just go position by position. Um 
I, I feel like a lot of people are going to be tempted, and I, I'm going to use the the threshold that I always do for the pickups mm-hmm. columns, which is uh, you know, which is like 50% rostered, under 50% rostered. So obviously, if and you're in a league, same where, like, lines here. So yeah, yeah. There's a handful of leagues where like you know, I feel like Michael Carter is like 52, 53% mm-hmm. rostered at Yahoo right now. He would obviously be a better ad than a lot of the other people that we wrote about. Um, and and this is all you know, like we're doing this on a Monday afternoon, so I don't I don't know what like Antonio Gibson status is going to be, but he obviously um, spent a lot of time on the sideline with the with the recurring shin issue, mm-hmm. um, so so that could change things. That could make me feel like J D McKissick, um, and and to a lesser degree, perhaps Patterson, who was a great, just a phenomenally productive college runner, that they could really bump to the top of the list. Um, Ramondre Stevenson is an interesting spec. I'm giving you like 15 names when you ask for one. That's terrible. Um, Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson is an interesting name, but I don't I don't think he's going to creep to the top of that backfield hierarchy anytime soon. So it's probably yeah, that's a boring answer, but it's probably it's probably McKissick for me um, at running back. It's close. Um, like other people are going to prioritize Dearness Johnson, which I get because Hunt is out and Chubb is probably out. But they, you know, it's a Thursday game. And I don't think he's a particularly special player and Felton's going to get looks too. So like, that's just a minefield, like running back is a minefield um, at receiver. If they're available, I would take either one of the Cardinals guys, right? Like AJ green and, uh, and Christian Kirk are both like 45% rostered right now, but that also feels like cheating because they're gone in virtually all of my leagues. I don't know where these leagues are, where like Cardinals receivers are just sitting out there for you. Um, Mooney, uh, is right behind them also around 44, 45% among guys who are widely available. The one name that I just keep pounding the table for, um, is Tim Patrick and he's not, you know, like Tim Patrick doesn't give us like the three touchdown 150 yard game. If he ever did, um, then he would be rostered everywhere. Um, but what he does do like a lot of fantasy managers claim that they really value consistency and yet they leave this guy out there. He's he has 80 receiving yards or a touchdown in five of six games this season. Like he is very steadily a double digit point producer. And that's going to matter a lot as we as we get into these, like especially these super messy bye weeks. Um, so I, I like Patrick a whole lot at uh, at receiver. I just think he's a guy you can plug and play in and basically always count on wide receiver three numbers. Man, I love Patrick. He's been a guy since last season. I've been I've just perennially put in my waiver columns and I was on a fantasy pros live stream with Dan Harris and our silly theory is that if he had a more exciting name, he sounds like an accountant at like with Tim Patrick. Yeah. So we were like, if we gave him a name to Brickashaw Ferguson or something, he'd be <laughs> rostered in every league. So that is my Tim Patrick story. Um, give me one player who you think is primed for a big fantasy season next year. Oh, that's a good question. Um, it, it's easy to pick one of the quarterbacks um, that like the Niners got to move on to Trey Lance at mm-hmm. some point. And we've already seen, we, we've already seen that they're willing to let him run the ball like 15 times in a game, which is really something that only, you know, like, like literally Lamar Jackson and um, like Bobby Douglas are the only two guys that have done that over the last 50 years, like quarterbacks just don't run the ball that often. Um, so I, Trey Lance is probably the guy if you're, you know, you're, you're a dynasty manager, maybe you're a one win team right now, two win team, and you're not feeling too good about your, about your chances. I, I, I really like, um, I really like Trey Lance as, as somebody who's going to pop next year for us. Um, I guess I'd throw Rashad Bateman in there too. Um, I'm a big believer. I realize that 
he had a pass bounce off his chest that became an interception in his first game back this year. But I, I just think he has a skill set that complements everybody else in that in that Ravens receiving core. And he's like a, it, it's like they have a Rashad Bateman shaped hole in their receiving <laughs> core, and they have the perfect guy to fill it now. Um, so I, I think by the by the back half of this season, he's going to have some really good he's going to have some really good weeks, and I, I think he's got a real chance to be, um, if not that team's wide receiver one, like kind of a one A with Brown next year. I, I think he's really exciting too. I love that. I have all the faith in Trey Lance. So hopefully his kind of lackluster performances for fantasy didn't deter too, too many managers. Um, two more questions. How many attempts would it take you to make an extra point? Oh, wow. Um, also, also a good question. And I've tried it. Um, okay. Like I have I've, never tried it. So like, if I had to answer that, I'd probably say like 100. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I've I've gone out and tried it and I can I can make it in a not in like a, you know, wow, soaring through the uprights kind of way, but I can make it in a in a doink off the crossbar or, <laughs> you know, like how is how did it come off of his foot spinning that way? How would that even you know, like I can I can make it that way, like one out of like 10 times, right? Um and and it'll no, a little better than that. But, but like, maybe it's like one out of six, one out of seven, something like that. Like I was, I, I was kicking them through. It looked horrible and they would all, the, the other thing is they would probably all get blocked, right? Like I'm sure I was kicking it too low. I was doing a million things wrong. I was taking, you know, too many steps, all of that. So in an actual game with actual people trying to block it, is that what we're saying? Oh no, just no. Cause that, that's almost just not fair. Under, under game conditions. I think I couldn't do it. I would, I would mess that up. Um, <laughs> like just nobody in my way. Um, yeah, I could, I could, I could do it 10 or 12% of the time. It's, it's way harder than it looks. Oh, I bet. I, I, and Hey, the line drive counts, so it doesn't need to look yeah. it. That is way more impressive than me. Finally, if you had one Cardinal role to share with someone just getting into fantasy this year, what would it be? Oh man. Um, that's a good question. And I, I guess it would say, I guess I would say if it's somebody who's just getting into fantasy, you, you want to make sure that you, you want to make sure that you have fun with it. Right. Like, so you want to, you want everybody else who's in the, like, have a, have a notion for who these other people are that you're getting in the league with. Right. Like mm-hmm. um, you, you want it to be like kind of a fun social network because all of my favorite leagues are that they're, they're good friends. And I've, I've cultivated friendships over the years with, with people in the league. So you want it, you want to have that kind of vibe um, because over, over time, I, I'm sure you would agree. Almost anybody who plays fantasy would agree. It just makes us so much better informed as sports fans. Like I'm such a more knowledgeable, th- even if I didn't go into like writing fantasy and talking mm-hmm. fantasy, I would just, I, I mean, the, the expansion of your own sports knowledge from playing fantasy is just so great. Like I, I, I want people to stick with it. So I, like, you know, fi- find a group that, you know, you're going to have fun with. Um, Cause you're not going to be, you know, you're not going to be dominant every season. You're going to make draft mistakes. You know, guys are going to get hurt. You're going to draft good, you know, people drafted Dak Prescott last year and it was great process and he got hurt. And like, then they, and then they lost their league. Like you're not, you're just not always going to win. Um, but you got to be in a group in, in which you're, you're really going to have fun and you really want to engage with people. I think a lot of more people on Twitter, analysts, whatever, need to remember that because it's not like the echo chamber, the negativity that we get on Twitter. Like that's not how most people are experiencing fantasy and it should be fun. And I know there's lots of money at, at 
you know, all that stuff is is legit, but it fun should come first because it is a game. So all that stuff is like two percent of the fantasy world too. Like yeah, most exactly. fantasy leagues, like the you know the great majority, the overwhelming majority of fantasy leagues and fantasy players. Number one, they're not they're not following experts on Twitter, right? Like for mm-hmm. the most part, uh, Twitter fantasy, we're all just talking to ourselves. Um, and there's, <laughs> there's a handful of, of players that are, that are listening, but you know, the great majority of fantasy leagues, they're not checking in five times a day. They're, they're casual players who just like interacting with each other. Hard agree. All right. That will do it for this round of 21 questions with our esteemed guest, Andy Barrons. Andy, I can't thank you enough for joining me during this insanely busy time. Please tell everyone where they can find you this NFL season. Yeah, please. It, it was super fun. It was, uh, th- this was great. This is a really <laughs> good time. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm just at Andy Barrons and they can always find me at, uh, at Yahoo fantasy um, where, where there's a good chance they have a league or two. So they're, they're, they might see me already. <laughs> Nice, nice. Um, well, I love the, the Sunday show and everything and keep doing great work. As a reminder, Sean Kerner and Chris Raybon are here on the Fantasy Flex every Monday, Wednesday and Friday, giving you guys all the DFS waiver wire and rankings info to help you dominate your fantasy leagues. I will be back this Thursday and every Thursday from now on with my mailbag episodes, speaking of which you should email mailbag questions to mailbag at actionnetwork.com. Thanks again for listening. Please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. Download us wherever you like to listen and we will see you next time on the Fantasy Flags presented by Pisces. Peace out, y'all.